Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and our producer, Lindsay. And we are streaming live on Facebook from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio. And don't forget to look us up on Rumble because we also archive these episodes on Rumble and all your favorite podcast forums, including YouTube. Um, YouTube does censor us sometimes, so we're careful about YouTube. Rumble has never censored us, so we're trying to grow our Rumble account. Go to our Rumble account and like it, subscribe to it so you don't miss any episodes. Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy under Rumble. Today, you don't want to miss out. We have Chris Cargill. He is with the Washington Policy Center, and he is going to be talking about um, free market solutions in healthcare. As you know, we have discussed for years now um, how the free market is going to solve healthcare problems, and actually most any problems, but we stick to healthcare here, so we're going to talk about that. And of course, I wrote a book on it, um, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. The government can't fix it. Um, the free market can. So Chris, welcome to our show, and tell us how the free market can fix healthcare. Well, thanks, uh, Sean and Jan. It's good to be with you, and I appreciate the invitation. Uh, for those of you who don't know, <clears throat> Washington Policy Center is an independent uh, free market think tank. So if you've uh, heard of groups like the Heritage Foundation or the Brookings Institute, the American Enterprise Institute, those are national think tanks. We're a think tank on a statewide level. So uh, we uh, basically work right here in Washington State, and we have a center for health care that concentrates on this very specific issue. And as we were coming on to uh, the program today, uh, I, I wanted to look up a poll that I uh, just recently saw that was taken this year, in fact, when healthcare has been top of mind, of course, to so many people uh, with the COVID situation. Uh, this was a poll that was done by Scott Rasmussen, who's a respected national pollster. And when uh, he asked a, a thousand registered U.S. voters their view of the healthcare system in our country. And when they were asked that view, 48 percent of them said it was either excellent or good and 31% said it was fair. Only 19% said the health care that they were receiving was poor. Um, so I think those numbers really tell a story about the fact that Americans, while they might not necessarily like the, the delivery or the cost or the things associated outside of healthcare, the actual healthcare itself that they're getting is pretty darn good. Um, organizations like Washington Policy Center and others have been talking for years about things that we could do to try to improve the healthcare delivery system. And we really believe it's all about the free market, trying to empower the free market more than it is currently empowered. And people have said to me in response to that, well, uh, yeah, but we've, we've seen what the free market has done and it, hasn't, and it hasn't worked. And my response to that is we haven't really had a free market healthcare system in 80 years in this country. Yeah. We haven't really seen how it's work, uh, how it works. And I think the perfect example of that, you know, I give a, I give a lot of speeches uh, around Washington state each year and I'm talking with people. And when I'm talking with healthcare, I always ask the room, how many of you have been to the doctor recently? And almost everybody will raise their hand, you know, at some point or another, you go to the doctor and then I'll ask uh, a follow-up question. That question is, how many of you know what you paid? And so, you know, maybe half of those will raise their hands. And, and the most likely response I always get is, well, I paid my $25 copay or I paid my $20 copay. And I say, no, no, no. What, did, what was the actual cost 
of the service? No one knows. No one knows the answer to that question. They don't know if it costs them $200 or $2,000. And the reason why is because they don't have to pay for it. Well, it's my insurance that pays for it, or it's my uh, government run coverage that I get. Someone else pays for it. I don't really care what the cost doesn't matter. All I, all I know is that I'm gonna have to pay 20, 25 bucks. And I think that's a perfect example of what's wrong with the health healthcare system. Someone else is paying for our healthcare, and as a result, the costs shoot way up. That's right. Dan, you have any comments on that? Well, I'm just I'm slightly interested in the poll that you uh, quoted as to what year that was. Was it recently in 2021 or was this 2020 before the pandemic or where does that sit? Yeah, it was 2021. Uh, and in fact, you can read more about it if you if you go on to WashingtonPolicy.org. Um, we've got under our healthcare center there, it's got a, a, a information about the poll and a link to the poll as well. So uh, that's what I think is the most interesting about this is even through the pandemic, um, we, we have seen this issue where people are pretty pleased with the coverage that they have and, and their doctor and, and their healthcare provider. It's just, it's just the, the, the system that they're not necessarily all that pleased with. Well, here would be my question that I would like a follow-up poll on that is be more specific about the question. It's like, so um, were you treated in a timely manner? Right. Was there any prior authorization that had to go on before you got a treatment? Um, was the cost expensive? Was the service fast? Was it bad? Did they treat you nice at the front desk? You know, like a big corporate clinic or a big hospital? My guess, Chris, all those answers um, would be a lot different than good service. I think the 48% of the people that say that our healthcare system gives is good, um, that's part of the problem is they don't live in a, we don't, they don't practice in a free market. They don't really have a choice. They are told where to go by a government program or their insurance company. They don't know that it could be better somewhere else. And in a true free market, when they have multiple choices like they would to buy a car or to pick out different food or different restaurants, they would know what good and bad service is. Fortunately, I don't think most people know what good and bad service is in our healthcare because they're such they're so used to bad service, expensive, poor service, and poor quality. Um, and in a free market, that's not what you get. You get all three of those that are going to be better. So so while we're waiting, I just um, have a few comments to make that um, while I think Americans might be satisfied, I think like Sean touched on, there might be some further questions. So uh, being in pharmacy and seeing patients up front and being on the phone, I screen a lot of calls from clients and Recently, I've had, I had to sit for six hours in order to see somebody. I've sat on the other side too, needing to get a procedure done, and I waited all day. Um, there's been times where I've had patients on the phone that says, you know, I've been waiting this long to get in for, you know, this type of test or this type of procedure. And it seems like in my brain, and maybe I'm wrong, Sean, but it seems like in my brain that that's gotten worse in the last year or two. Um, so it's a perfect time for us to uh, look for these solutions and start moving forward with how we can make the system better. Absolutely. So speaking of Chris, you're back with us. Welcome back. Um, apologies. No worries whatsoever. So tell us, we, we've just been talking about how um, 
you know, people don't really have a lot of options and that's why they might not know any better about how bad the service is. And Janet was just discussing how over the years it's gotten, gotten worse. So tell us how the free market can help solve this problem. Yeah. And I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, if you have the free market involved, um, the costs will, will go lower. I mean, you got to think about it this way. Look at how many different options you have for things like a, a television, a flat screen HD TV, right? You've got hundreds of different options, hundreds of different companies that are trying to compete for your business. You go in and purchase a, a television. I was just watching a really old episode of Price is Right last night. Okay, <laughs> They have this 32-inch television that Bob Barker was was telling folks to try to bid on. Guess how much the cost was? This was a 32 inch television, flat screen television, when they were first created back in the year 2000. The cost uh, was $4,000. $4,000, right? <laughs> now you can get a 32 inch flat screen HD TV for less than a hundred bucks sometimes. Right, right. I mean, just think about that. So, I mean, the, the same type of, of Basically, market approach can exist in healthcare if we let it. And there's a perfect example of this. There, there are clinics like this all across the country, but one is the Oklahoma Surgery Center, which basically allows for you to go online and see exactly what the cost is of any particular procedure that you want to have done. You can go in there. You can, you can pay cash. They don't take insurance because insurance drives up the cost. They don't take insurance, but you can go in and get an operation. And those, for the most part, those costs have not increased for the last 20 to 30 years that they've been in business at the Oklahoma Surgery Center. That's a remarkable way to give people the, the information that they need to make a good quality decision. If, if you allow people the choice and the opportunity to make a good decision based on their current financial situation, their their health uh, situation, most of the time people will make a good decision. So Oklahoma Surgery Center is one example on the on the healthcare side. On the individual side, you know, HSAs are another perfect example of this, where you give people the opportunity, it's on basically like a little debit card, you give people the opportunity to take that debit card and to essentially shop for what they want shop for their prescription drug costs, shop for the doctor that they want to go to. It's funny because if you go into a doctor's office and you ask the doctor's office, the staff that's there, and they're all lovely, but if you ask them, okay, what is this going to cost me? They, they might look at you with a puzzled, with a puzzled <laughs> look on their face because they don't really have any idea. But I would encourage everyone to do that because that is what's going to actually help drive down the cost if people are paying attention to the cost and are being held responsible for the costs. And I think a, an HSA is a perfect way to do that. Obviously, an HSA isn't going to cover you if you have a catastrophic condition, but that's what catastrophic healthcare insurance is for, is to fill in those gaps if you get cancer or something happens where you actually need uh, an insurance plan. One other thing I would just uh, note, Sean and Janet, I think we've gotten into this position where in healthcare, we believe that a health insurance plan, I'm saying, I'm saying we as the general public, the general public believes that a really great healthcare insurance plan is one that covers everything. You know, just cover, even if you have a bloody nose, you're covered. That's not the way car insurance works. 
That's not the way house, your home insurance works. If you have a, a toilet get clogged or flood the house, or if you have to go get an oil change in your car, your insurance does not cover that. So why should it be any different for healthcare? And that's what I think is driving up a lot of the cost. For sure, 100%. So um, if... So if you're you're against, are you? So what are, what are the options if somebody um, doesn't, you know, if somebody works for an employer and the employer um, is providing their health insurance that they think is good insurance, then what is what is their what is their option? They can't really um, opt out of it, can they? Yeah, I mean that's it's on a case by case basis. I mean some employers will will allow you to do that because certainly then they would save you know, on, on their end. But um, yeah, I mean, th those are tough situations. You can go onto the individual marketplace and try to find coverage that way um, if, if you'd rather not get it through your employer. But I think part of the reason why, and this is, you know, a whole long history lesson, which I'm sure that you all are, are aware, aware of as well. Part of the reason why our employers offering healthcare coverage dates all the way back to World War II, you know, when ice yeah were put in place and and all these things basically employers were told hey, you can't you can't change anybody's wages and you know right. those restrictions were adopted and so to try to get around that employers said well let's start you know offering our employees something else and that ended up being health care which you know I, I can understand perhaps at the time but perhaps we've gotten out of that model right now we don't necessarily need employers to be to be leading the charge on this. Certain, I'm not saying anything bad about employers who do, but I mean, I think it's certainly a question of whether it's a good thing to have employers be responsible for your health insurance. Well, so first of all, that's the first, that was one of the first steps that the government chose to ruin healthcare. And when they created the wage freeze back in World War II, wonderful FDR created that. And then here we are now with employer-sponsored health insurance. And you think about it, what has happened is individual patients, individual people have a lot of times washed their hands of their own responsibility about taking care of their own health. And not just their health, but their own health finances also. And in my book, I write, uh, a six-step solution on how to fix healthcare. The first one is is that uh, patients need to take charge of their own health, and that includes financially. They need to be responsible. Do you have any comment on that? Oh, I think that's one hundred percent accurate. Because again, if you if you go into something knowing that it's only the most you'll pay is twenty five bucks, you know whatever your your copay is, then you're not really going to care what it costs. So the insurance company, which we all pay for via our insurance plans, or the government, or Medicaid, Medicare, what have you, which we, again, all pay for as part of our taxes, if, if you don't really care what it costs, then the price is going to go through the roof. And I would also say one other thing about this. You know, Medicaid and Medicare, um, respectively, only, in, only reimburse providers for a percentage of what a regular insurance plan does. So a lot of people point to Medicaid and Medicare and say, see how great these systems are? And that's fine. You know, the, the Medicare, or excuse me, Medicaid, especially for the poorest, you can certainly understand that. But at the same time, Medicaid is only reimbursing doctors 
about half of what your insurance plan reimburses. So you want to know why the cost of healthcare is so high. That's another thing you can point to as well. Our Medicaid and Medicare programs and other government programs as well don't reimburse doctors for what it costs for, and nurses and all the others, don't in, uh, reimburse them for what it actually costs for healthcare. Um, if we did do that, things might change a little bit, I suspect, uh, on, on both the uh, provider side and on the patient side. Well, yeah, really what's that's called in healthcare is cost shifting. So they don't make money on Medicare and Medicaid, so they have to increase the prices to everybody else. Right. And that's just not fair to the average um, everyday consumer. Well, the other thing that it does, uh, Sean, is it makes it so that doctors can only have a limited number of Medicaid patients. So when you're talking about rationing control, uh, rationing uh, government or control, excuse me, rationing healthcare or control by the government, that is certainly a big, big issue where you're basically telling doctors that because of these prices, you're only going to be allowed to uh, see maybe 10 Medicaid patients or, you know, depending on how big your practice is. Well, yeah, and that, that's just another reason when we think about free market solutions, um, people need to know these things. That's why I have – that's why one of the reasons I had you on today to educate and empower individuals that the government is not the answer. I mean if that's what they want, like Medicaid and Medicare, they, they ration all the time. Whether the procedure isn't covered, they decide what's covered. They decide what price it's covered at. Um, they decide what doctors you go to. Is that really what we want in healthcare? That's not a free market. And that's not the best service you're going to get. You're not going to get the best service at the best price at the best quality. You're just not. When the government dictates that, there's already going to be rationing and higher prices, correct? Oh, absolutely. And you've, I mean, this has been with us since Medicare and Medicaid have been with us, of course, since the 60s and LBJ's great society. So, you know, again, I have to kind of laugh when people say, well, the free market has failed healthcare. You haven't really given the free market the opportunity to succeed uh, because all of these different programs are put in place. And then, of course, it was just put on steroids with Obamacare. And now right. it's like with the current administration, it's going to get even bigger. Um, so don't tell me that the free market has failed healthcare when we haven't even really given it a chance to do so. But we have given it a chance to do so. Let's give a couple of, couple of examples. Let's give an example of LASIK eye surgery. Yes. LASIK eye surgery is typically not covered by any insurance. And um, 15, 20 years ago, LASIK eye surgery was, I don't know, five or $10,000. Right. And the surgery wasn't near as good. Um, the outcomes weren't as good and the side effects afterwards recovery was not as good. Now you hear advertisements on the radio that you can get LASIK eye surgery done for like a hundred dollars an eye or something, right. right? I mean, it's almost, you know, they've created, they've created an industry out of it. They created a commodity and that's what healthcare should be. We should have, it's a commodity like anything else should be. And consumers should be able to shop. They don't get to shop when, when somebody else pays the bill, they're not shopping because that person that's paying the bill. They tell the consumer where to go. That in a sense, that essentially is creating a monopoly, not typically a monopoly, maybe an oligopoly, but um, you don't necessarily go to the best at the best price. You're going to the one the insurance company has a good contract with, and they're the ones getting the best price. Right. So it's not a free market. Yeah, I, I agree. And you, one of the questions my wife always asks me is, well, did, did you check to see if the, the doctor that you're going to is in network? I mean, 
that that line, did you check to see if it was right. in work? I think tells you everything you need to know about the problem <laughs> of our healthcare system. That, that we should really be scared if 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 we have to go to a doctor, or we're being told to go to a doctor that's in network. A lot of people don't realize it, but that doesn't mean the doctor's good. Right. That just means the doctor signed off on check the boxes with the insurance company. Right. That's exactly right. And in a free market, that wouldn't work. I mean that you know that wouldn't necessarily be be the be, the the best doctor. So yeah, imagine being told you had to go to Sears to buy your new TV. Oh, because you know Sears is almost bankrupt. I think there's like one left in the country or something. Imagine go, being told that you have to go to a certain store to buy your television. What do you think the costs of the television would do if they knew that if the consumer or excuse me the manufacturers in the stores knew that you were forced to go there? They'd probably go up. And would the price, would the would the service be good? Yeah, they probably not. It'd probably it, be about the same. Right. It doesn't have to be good yeah. because they they essentially have a monopoly. And quality doesn't have to be good either because you get what they give you. Yeah. And one of the things when it's not in a free market and somebody else is paying the bill, we're going to go over this again when you talked about somebody else paying the bill is a problem. Yeah. Does a, a healthcare entity have to give good service to the person that's standing in front of them that they're going to deliver the care to? Not really, because they're not the ones paying the bill. Right. Um, you know, they're probably going to treat the person paying the bill a lot better. Um, if a patient gets upset at a big clinic or a big hospital and says, "Well, I'm I'm done with this," oh, the hospital just writes them off. Right. But if all of a sudden Medicare says we're going to stop paying you, hospital. Talk about hospital people jumping through hoops all of a sudden. Then they yep. start caring. They don't care about the individual patient. That's my that's my opinion, and yeah. I think it I think it's it's apparent in in um, healthcare today when you go into a big clinic like that, and the people typically the people that you first see they don't seem to be happy. They don't seem to be cordial. They don't seem to be um, um, treat you very nice. You know, so that's part of the problem with somebody else paying the bill. Yeah, and I would just challenge everyone watching uh, the program to the next time you go to a doctor or dentist, ask them what the cost is going to be. Ask them what the cost is going to be because I think if more people started to do that, more providers might be willing to be more transparent about their costs uh, if they even know the cost. Um, but I would just I, – I think that's one of the most important things we can do is go out there and find out what the cost is. And then don't be afraid to shop around and – you know, if you have to be in network, if that's your only option, then then certainly um, you can do that. But there are others most of the time that are also, quote, in network that might be able to give you a better deal. Or realize this, too. Let's give an example of an MRI. This this goes on constantly. And or or the, we could use the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Let me tell you about Surgery Center of Oklahoma. So um, I know for a fact most of the surgery centers of Oklahoma's prices are 10 times less than the average hospital. So let's say you get a surgery at your local hospital and it's $50,000 and you've got to pay a 20% copay. That means you're going to pay $10,000. Okay. Or you go to the surgery center of Oklahoma and you can pay $5,000 cash. Right. <laughs> you're, going to get you're going to get service a lot faster. No prioritizations, no surprises. It's yeah. transparent. And, you know, there's not going to be a bill six months later saying, oh, we missed this part of it. You know, right. so just because something's in network and just because it's covered by your insurance doesn't mean it's the best option and doesn't mean that paying cash out of pocket is not going to be cheaper for you. MRI is your perfect example of that also. 
Yep. We see MRIs all the time where patients pay out of pocket and their copay is like a thousand bucks. You go to the right place to get an MRI, you can get an MRI for 400 bucks. Right. Yep. You know, um, and you'll get a lot faster without all the hassle. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Chris, this is a big question. You're a politician too, aren't you? <laughs> yes. On, on the side, on my, in my free time. <laughs> in your free time. Okay. This is a question that's really, really tough for any politician, but, uh, so we talk about free markets and we talk about free markets are the ones that is the thing that's going to save healthcare. So are Medicaid and Medicare, are they a free market? Well, no, I don't think they are. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't really think any of these um, programs that we've been discussing today are, are a free market or a free market solution. Um, you know, it was, it was funny because, and I would assume you'd agree with me on this, when Obamacare and the marketplaces were put out, you know, and every state had its own marketplace. And we, we heard a lot from the proponents of Obamacare saying, oh, this is going to be great because you can go online and you can shop for all these different things. The problem in Washington state and other states as well is that in order to provide an insurance plan in Washington state, you have to cover 59 different mandates, 59 different things. So, you know, the, the thing that we heard a lot during the Obamacare debates, and we still hear a lot today, is that, oh, young people, they, we just can't get them to sign up for health care. And I think part of the problem uh, is that we make health care plans, insurance plans, cover everything under the sun. And maybe maybe a 22-year-old kid who's in college doesn't want to buy a health care plan that covers maternity coverage. Uh, or, or maybe they don't drink like me. Now, if they're in college, they might drink depending on what school they go to. But I, I have not drank a sip of alcohol in my life. So why should I have to have health care coverage for alcoholism abuse treatment? I mean, and there's again, there's 57 other things that are on this list that the state legislature in Washington makes them provide coverage for. And the American Medical Association and others have said, look, every single mandate you put on increases the cost of health insurance anywhere from one and a half to three percent. Well, Idaho has about 20 mandates. I believe Oregon, the last check, had about 29. Washington State was up to 59. So you want to know why healthcare costs so much? That's another part of the problem. Well, and, uh, you know, you speak of, you know, a 22-year-old in college might not want maternity care. Um, my wife and I, you know, we're in our 50s. We don't want maternity care either, but we'd have to pay for it if we had traditional health insurance. Right. And that's one of the reasons we don't. And that's one that we'll talk a little bit later about um, health sharing programs and, and health sharing ministries. Um, but that's a way to really get into the free market where you get to decide what doctor you go to, what price you pay. You get to shop around. You get to decide. And you have major medical catastrophic coverage that's not a bunch of stuff, other stuff mandated. Right. So... Um, but also, it's also why I say this. If you have traditional health insurance, whether it's Medicaid, whether it's Medicare, whether it's VA, or whether it's straight ahead government insurance, um, I think traditional health care insurance at all is government insurance. Because just like you said, there are so many mandates to it that um, it's the government is telling insurance companies what's covered at what price. So yeah. if you're on traditional health insurance, it's government insurance, period. Right. And 
The only way to get out of that, in my opinion, and this is one of the fixes in my book, is to go with a health sharing ministry or a health sharing program. They're not all faith-based anymore. And you get to you are liberated. You get to decide what you want to pay for health care. And if you have an accident, my son broke his leg last year, had an accident, it gets covered. You have heart attacks, gets covered. Cancer gets covered. Um, you know, and it works. It actually works. And you don't have to go through all the hoops. And you get to decide how you seek care and um, with whom and what price you pay. And that's that's the free market at work. And they're growing. I don't want to say exponentially because I don't know the math very well on it, but they are growing by leaps and bounds, partly because of all these government mandates. Yeah, I, I, and you hear radio ads for them all the time, uh, and more and more people are starting to get involved in that. And I, I think that's a perfect, another perfect free market solution. You know, back to the Oklahoma Surgery Center, some of the first people that came to the Oklahoma Surgery Center were from Canada. Absolutely. Now, now why why is that the case? If Canada's socialist healthcare system you know, the one payer system is so great. Why would people from Canada be coming to what we're told is just a terrible healthcare system here in the United States? And I think it goes back to what we mentioned at the very, very top. The actual care itself, people are, are pretty pleased with, or they think they're pleased with. It's the cost and everything else associated with it and the bureaucratic mess that they don't necessarily like. And speaking of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, we are going to be at the Free Market Medical Association annual conference in Dallas next week. And we will be interviewing Dr. Keith Smith, the co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. He's great. Um, yeah. I have met him a few times, interviewed him a few times, and toured his facility. And I'm super excited to have him back on our show because talk about someone that really believes in the free market in healthcare. And he walks a walk, talks a talk. Some doctors say they believe it, but he truly walks a walk, talks a talk, and doesn't get in bed with any government insurance. So I, I, you know, I respect him for that. Yeah, absolutely. And he is a great guy, and, and they've just done a terrific job there. And, yeah. and examples like this in in many other states as well but um but oklahoma surgery center is is just a, a shining that shining example on the hill it is praise uh, the former president all right chris so i'm going to give you a, a big question for a politician you just you just admitted that medicare and medicaid are not free market solutions and that they're causing the problem so should we abolish them well, I think we could certainly replace them with something better. Um, you know, whether they whether they would be completely abolished or not, you know, is is probably something I'd want to think about as well. But I do think they can be completely changed or made better than what they currently are right now. Now, the the only reason I say that, the only reason I'm just a just a hair hesitant on saying yes, completely abolish them for all, is because there are some people who are on those systems right now who can't afford anything else right now. And even though it's terrible, terrible coverage, um, that that's what they think is their lifeline. Uh, that's what they've been told for years from politicians is their, is their only way. And if they don't have this, it's, they're just, you know, they're going to die in a, in a street corner eating dog food. I mean, we've heard that from politicians all the time, right? So that's the only reason I would hesitate to say completely abolish it. You've got, you've got to have some sort of safety net. Uh, whether it is Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Obamacare, what have you. You know, I'm not opposed, and Washington Policy Center is not opposed to having a safety net in place. But I think the question is, who, sh you know, how big should the holes in that safety net be? 
and who should be uh, uh, covered under this sort of system. And Obamacare in, in some many states expanded the folks who were eligible for Medicaid um, for a family of four, if I remember correctly, it was about $105,000 per year that they could qualify. Maybe it was a hair lower than that. I'd have to double check my stats there, but they could qualify for Medicaid. I think that is not necessarily what the backers of Medicaid intended was to have that kind of, of uh, eligibility requirement put on there. Well, I guess if we look at it back to the 1960s, and if you just look at the history of the federal government, I think when they institute any program like that, um, they probably were looking at, in the long term, everybody being covered by it, besides the politicians, of course, um, because they get to opt out because, you know, us peasants down below, um, we don't get the good, we don't get the good stuff like they do. So they get to opt out. So I think anytime the government creates any kind of plan, and especially in healthcare or anything, and they're paying for anything, um, it's something that we should be very skeptical of, because in the... Yeah, in the long run, it's going to be super expensive, and it's going to be a way for politicians to control us and buy votes. And a lot of times, the reason politicians are scared to address the Medicare and Medicaid issue, even though they know it's a nightmare, they are scared to address it because they know they will lose votes. Because just as you said, the politicians have gotten people so brainwashed that they need Medicare, they need Medicaid, they need the federal government. What they do back before the 1960s? Were people dying in the streets, Chris, without government health care? Yeah. No, exactly. You're exactly right. I mean, one one kind of free market esque suggestion that I've heard is, and again, it, this would not be overnight. So, people who are listening to the program, who perhaps are on Medicaid or Medicare, you don't have to worry that tomorrow you're going to lose your Medicaid or your Medicare. It's it's going to be there for probably in perpetuity. But one free market idea that I've heard out there. And and again, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I'd want to think about it a little more and talk with a few more people is this idea to allow everyone in the country to get a private HSA that the, the government would contribute to. So let's say you put a dollar in the, the federal government would put in a quarter, basically because essentially like a matching type program, and it would give you incentive to go out there and find good quality, inexpensive healthcare. And then if you didn't use all of that, you could perhaps get some sort of reimbursement or you could cash out part of your HSA or whatever. But that's kind of one idea that I've heard kind of being bounced about is that everybody would get an HSA. And then if the government really believes that, that there needs to be an assistance, then the assistance could be in the form of a matching um, uh, matching contribution to your HSA account. I see. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving that option. Um, I am just totally against any kind of government inter- intervention totally, because I just don't trust the government when it comes to healthcare or pretty much anything at all. <laughs> oh, I, I, I completely understand. That. I completely agree. Um, the only, uh, the only thing I was saying about this particular program is it wouldn't be run necessarily by the government. I mean, it would be a private HSA. So it's essentially, you know, how uh, President Bush in, I think it was 2006, 2005, was talking about giving young people the opportunity to opt out of Social Security and open their private account. I mean, it's a similar type idea where you could opt out and maybe get a private account. And if there is insistence on, you know, helping people out, then you can put matching funds in there. So again, this is not going to happen tomorrow. 
Um, and I'm not sure it will ever happen, but it's one idea that's been kind of thrown out there. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of pie in the sky stuff, unfortunately, but I'm not going to stop the fight because I wish I could opt out of Social Security and Medicare and all of them. I, I don't I don't want the government's help because with the government's help, there's always strings attached, always, right. whether whether it's a stimulus that they get or whether it's unemployment that people have been on for many, many months over the last year or so. There's always strings attached, and it's really for the government to keep controlling people and buying votes. Well, and look what's happening with the unemployment situation. You've got a you got a problem where the government basically has provided so many different benefits that people don't want to go to work, back to work. So, I mean, the same thing kind of exists in healthcare. Government provides you all these different benefits. Why would you want to go out and and shop? I mean, that's the that's the hard way to do it. Or why would you want to take care of yourself? That's right. Yeah. Just have another surgery or have another medication prescribed for a disease that is lifestyle created because you don't have to take care of yourself because it's not costing you anything. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's not how it should work. So, well, Chris, I appreciate you being on. So, um, last question. So, what do you have a passion for? What drives you? Well, I think public policy and informing people what is what drives me. I mean, but in my previous life, before I was in uh, at Washington Policy Center, I worked in television news for 10 years uh, and always wanted to make sure that we were telling people about what was happening and giving them the best information they could they could get to make good choices for their own life. You know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent in letting people have the freedom to choose whatever they want to choose. Um, and, but, but they also have to have good information to make those choices. And so, you know, I don't do very well to just to be quite frank with, um, biased news articles or, or, um, or people going out and voting and thinking they're voting for one thing and getting another. Um, and I also don't do very well. And if you saw my op-ed in the Spokesman Review this past weekend in Spokane, I also don't do very well with, with politicians who come out and target the very constituents they are supposed to represent and call them names and and basically, back to the point that you were making earlier, Sean, basically think that they are higher and mightier than anybody yeah. else. Um, that's the type of stuff that drives me crazy. So if you're asking what my passion is, it's making sure people are well-informed and then giving them the freedom to make the, the, the choices that best work for their family. Well, thank you for that, because that's the goal of this podcast, to educate and empower individuals to take care of their own health. So, Chris, uh, as, we, as we wrap this up, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, WashingtonPolicy.org is our website. WashingtonPolicy.org. My phone number and contact information uh, on there, and you're welcome to contact me at any time. Um, you know, I've got basically email coming into my phone at all hours of the day, so I can't guarantee I'll always respond instantaneously, but I'll do my best to get back to uh, folks as quickly as I can. All right. Well, Chris, I appreciate you being on. It's truly an honor to have you on today, and you've met our goal of educating and empowering consumers to take care of their own health. So I really appreciate it, Chris. Uh, Tune in because in a couple hours, we will have Laura Vest on. She's going to share her um, weight loss story, how she went keto and lost a whole bunch of weight. So you don't want to miss out on that. Chris, thank you for tuning in. Thanks everybody for watching and listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you. 